Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the WTF1 podcast. My name is, of course, Matthew Gallagher, and we are talking about the Indy 500, what occurred during the race, and also previewing the 2020 Belgian Grand Prix. And of course, I'm not alone. I'm never alone in this adventure of the podcasting world. I am joined by WTF1 founder and probably the strongest man to ever do a 100% force feedback challenge. It's Tom Bellingham. Hello. What an intro. I love all these. You're bigging me up so much and all these intros. And it's all every single time it's off the top of my head. And I had I have no idea what's going to come out, Tommy. So fortunately, nothing's been too inappropriate. Yeah, that we leave that for off air. <laughs> we actually do. Uh, but anyway, we asked some questions uh, from, from you guys that watched the Indy 500. Maybe you wanted a little bit more insight into what occurred during the race. Of course, Takuma Sato has become a two-time Indy 500 winner now. Uh, but as as you know, for the race itself as a spectacle, uh, it was probably one of the first times I've actually watched it from start to finish. Usually, the Indy Five Hundred for me is, oh, it's on. Oh, quick! Oh, it's lap forty. All right, I'll watch some of it. I, I'm never really, and you know, maybe people will have a go at me for this, but I'm never really properly excited for it. But this year, I was. I don't know if it's because of the pandemic and whatnot. But but either way, I was. You know, from start to finish, enjoyed the little you know build up and everything, and it. You know, it's, it, the Indy 500 is always about the build-up, isn't it, towards the last few laps, but then we had quite a disappointing ending. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with, like, people People don't enjoy it. Like, people on on Twitter or whatever love to kind of argue about it. And if you don't like oval racing, I, to- I totally understand it. Uh, but it was very interesting that a lot of... It seemed like a lot more people gave it a go this year. And I put something on Twitter to say... Because some someone said like, "Oh, I've just watched it and I absolutely love it. I've, I'm wrong about oval racing. I think this is really awesome." And so many people replied with with the same i with the same kind of you know feedback, saying, "I was hugely surprised." It's it's very. I mean, I'm not going to pretend that I didn't completely dismiss oval racing when I was a lot younger, growing up with Formula One. It was one of those things where I just like, well, why do I want to watch cars literally going round in circles? But the more knowledgeable you get on it and the more you kind of understand it. And I think it, do you reckon it helped the fact that the race wasn't clashing with a Formula One race this weekend, even though they don't clash time-wise, maybe just the fact that there's no other distractions. It was just almost like dedicated to Indy this weekend. Yeah, I definitely think it helps because I think before it was clashing with Monaco, wasn't it? And then we had the whole Jensen Button and Alonso, you know, all that sort of stuff occurring. Um, but that was 2017, 2017, yeah, yeah Alonso's yeah, first when we had that. one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, definitely, I think it ha- definitely helps when that's the sole focus and everyone knows, ah, that's the time Indy's on rather than, ah, oh, we've got a, you know, a plethora of, a, of sporting events occurring today, which, which usually is the case, isn't it? You have like loads of stuff going on usually on Indy, Indy weekend or am I? No, am no, I you're right. It, it does seem to clash for some reason. When, with quite a few different sporting events, that's why. Yeah, I, um, yeah like anyway. which is us. Although it did clash with the Champions League final this year. <laughs> that's very true. Um, but I feel like the the sporting, 
I, I don't think there's much of a crossover, but maybe yeah, there is. True. I mean, you know, football is a huge sport, but that's that's no research whatsoever. That's me just chatting rubbish. But right, let's get into questions. At Viana. Lots <laughs> of A's in that name. Uh, why didn't they re- re- flag? red flag the session at the end? And if they did, would Sato have still won? That was a question I was wondering as well, Tommy. And the understanding I got was that there wasn't enough laps left to red flag the session. Yeah, so I looked into it and the official statement from IndyCar said, IndyCar makes every effort to end races under green, but in this case, following the assessment of the incident, there were too few laps to gather the field behind the pace car, issue a red flag and then restart. Because it, it's an odd one, because the green-white checkered, which is called, I believe, uh, is actually a NASCAR rule, which they bought in to stop races ending under yellow because let's let's be honest like there's there's a lot of amazing things during the race but the end is the most exciting part of oval racing because they're slipstreaming it all comes down to the kind of huge finale and it looked like it was going to be the same again so people were understandably annoyed but it's not the first time it's gone under yellow it but i do understand people's kind of frustrations because that's the kind of part of the race you're really excited for and it builds and builds and my heart was like properly racing it's like oh my god this is going to be absolutely amazing you've got two drivers some almost four actually because you had uh, Ferrucci and Rahal kind of closing in as well and yeah I mean what a what an amazing finish it would have been but unfortunately didn't quite go that way no it didn't quite go that way it looked like it was going to end pretty well but Sato he, he was getting stuck, wasn't he, behind maybe three cars that were all battling around five or six mile an hour slower than what Sato was going. Then yeah. he had to check up and was getting caught by by the guys behind. But then Sato managed to make that move on one of the back markers, which then, well, technically not a back marker because there's no blue flags in, in, in Indy. But um, I feel like Sato had almost got that gap. I think it was what, five laps to go, was it, before the, the crash happened? I think and so, four or Sato five, yeah surprisingly looked quite good but then you know anything can change in the Indy 500 and Sato I think was very marginal for fuel and and all sorts of stuff so I reckon it still would have definitely come down to the wire and Dixon you know he looked incredible unstoppable I think you tweeted Tommy you know he, he genuinely looked like he was the only one that was going to win that perhaps Rossi but then obviously that incident in the pit lane uh completely messed up his his race and then it was actually quite exciting wasn't it when Rossi had that penalty came out and you could just see how raging he was and then they did like a little flashback didn't they to when he had a penalty before and he is extremely he is a driver <laughs> yeah. that wears his heart on his sleeve isn't he yeah last year he had a had a similar thing where he dropped to the back he had a slow pit stop and he was in contention for the win then as well and he just seems to be absolutely on it he won it in 2016 as a rookie and he always seems to be in the mix and uh yeah, Rossi just drove like a man possessed. There was a, an amazing clip where he's going past about seven or eight cars oh my. in one. Uh, move. I think it was five, but <laughs> yeah. But they're like some some people are like backing off, some people are going around, and he just going kind of goes around the outside. Um, and there was a similar clip the year before as well. But I mean, yeah, it was a shame because Rossi. It would have been an amazing fight with them. The thing is, for Sato, he did everything he needed to do, and when Dixon did close up behind him and kind of make a move, he covered him off. He pulled the gap that he needed. And I understand that. I mean, I understand why Dixon was annoyed. Uh, and I think he even tweeted about 
think it's time that IndyCar throw a green-white checker, which is the rule we are talking about before, where it they have a, like a little shootout at the end. Um, but to be fair, it's not the like I say, it's not the first time this has ever happened. In 2013, Tony Kanaan won the won the race, and he was in the same situation. Uh, and he basically said, you know, I'm absolutely going for it because you don't you don't know what's going to happen. And he made the move. Yellow flag came out, and it finished under yellow. So there's always that risk that Dixon can hold behind and say, oh, well, you know, I'll wait, I'll wait to the end, but there might not be an end. I think it was, in fact, the thing that's just come up at the top of my head. Do you remember the F1 race in Monaco 2011? I think it was when you had Button and Alonso behind Vettel on the fresher tires. Yeah. And I think they were waiting for the end. And, and then the red flag came to hit out. The, Yeah. And the red flag came out because of Petrov's crash and, and then, and then, obviously, all the talk was, "Oh well, Button would have won, or Alonso would have won," but they didn't because they didn't make the. Was, move. was that the one where uh, the red flag came out, and then everyone could change tires, and then it was basically yeah. game on? Yeah, because yeah. Vettel's spent pretty much the whole race on a really worn set of tires, and was just he had nothing left. Like they're all over the back of him, but because it's tricky to overtake at Monaco or near impossible, they uh, they couldn't do it. So, yeah, it happens. And I think Sato, it's so hard to know because of fuel and stuff, but I think Sato drove an amazing race and I don't think you can take it away from him. No, absolutely not. He was there He was there at the right time, wasn't he? As you say, you know, yeah. he, he made the moves necessary. He did some pretty interesting defending from some driver's perspectives and it was kind of ruffling a, f- a few feathers, wasn't he, Sato? But yeah. that's what you've got to do. You, you know, that's what Verstappen does in Formula One and look how well he's done. So... Let's move on to the next question. Uh, Winchy tweets says, "How ridiculous were the ad breaks?" I feel sorry for US fans. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we, we we kind of forget how lucky we are with Sky Sports F1 when we get an entire race with no ad breaks. Obviously, back in the day, ITV used to have <laughs> ad breaks, and you know, don't we, remind we miss some me. Am- sorry, don't remind me. No, we used to miss some battles for the lead. We used to miss crashes, all sorts of stuff. So. Now, yeah, we're very much in a very we're in a very privileged position where we like to moan about the smallest of things, you know, me included, and I'm sure Tommy does as well. We kind of forget how bad it used to be, and also how bad it is over in the US. There was an ad break. I'm pretty sure every well, it seemed like there was two ad breaks in quite quick succession. Then you'd get about 15 laps, and then there'd be another two ad breaks. Yeah, I think they, I, they I, have to fill some kind of quota, don't they? They did. Yeah, they did the same ridiculous. in ITV because. Going back to the ITV days, they had um, a similar situation where I was actually at the race when it was Shumi and Alonso, and they had to do, I don't know, say it's like five ad breaks during an F1 race, which seems ridiculous for us now. Like you say, we're we're spoiled from start to finish. But ITV waited and waited and waited, thinking Schumacher would pass Alonso, and then ran out of time, and then I think they put an ad break on with about two laps to go. So it pretty much cut back to when they were crossing the line and everyone was absolutely fuming. So yeah, we're, we're very lucky now that, well, I I think there are other countries that still have the ads during the race, but from a UK point of view, we're extremely lucky that we get to watch that race ad free now because it was, it was bad and it really breaks up the kind of coverage and the excitement that even when maybe nothing in particular is happening on track, when it's building to that crescendo, is that the right word? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well done. Yeah, well done. Uh, it, it, as soon as an ad break, even though we were lucky that 
it had Alex Jacks in it on the on the Sky coverage, and they just kept the coverage for with the if you're English listening, Jakes, it's Alex Jakes. It's Alex sorry, Jakes. Alex. Sorry. Why? <laughs> How is it spelled? Right. Let, let's. Yeah, I know it's spelt like Jacks, but it's definitely okay, it's Jakes. Jakes. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, Alex Jakes then, and um, yeah, he uh, he was obviously like filling those time slots. Funnily enough, someone on Twitter. Sam Sam O'Gara on Twitter. Why they've done this, I don't know. But it, I mean, he's getting a shout out in a podcast now, so fair play. Listed all the ad breaks during the race. And how many were there? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seventeen, I think. So wow. yeah, it started at half past seven, and there was an ad break at. 738, 750, 759, 810, 819, Tommy? He was in that race. It was a weird one this year because there was so much hype when he was in the race before, but it didn't seem to be that way because I guess people knew that he didn't really have a chance, maybe. No, didn't have a chance at all, starting towards the back on row nine, I think it was. Uh, Noakes Alfie says, only watched for Alonso. It was so different from last time. Why? Uh, well, main thing is that he couldn't get a setup for the car. The car wasn't particularly good. And that combination at Indy 500 is not gonna let you win is it it's not no he's not in a so yeah the 2017 he drove for while he was in a mclaren branded car it was andretti i think did they call it andretti mclaren i can't remember something um, like that yeah. something like that but andretti are obviously the one of the top teams in indycar and that year takuma sato won again uh, as Alonso's teammate, so he was driving for an Andretti. Andretti were on pole this year. One of the one of the best teams at Indy have Honda engines as well, which is a a key point. Um, so yeah, I mean, this year he was not in an Andretti. He was with the newish McLaren team, who, to be fair, had uh, I think Award finished about sixth as a rookie. I think he's a rookie. Um, yeah, he was a rookie. Yeah. yeah, so he did he did very well considering. Um, but Alonso just had all sorts of trouble, all race, struggled with setup. He crashed in practice, which I think put him on the back foot. And then he also had a clutch problem during the race, which meant that he couldn't pull away from his pit stops properly without kind of getting an old school push start. But even without that, he was just, he was nowhere. Let's be honest. Yeah, sad to see. I think we all wanted to see Alonso fighting near the front like we saw him in 2017 before he conked out. Uh, but yeah, as you say, just just everything was a, a perfect storm for being a lap down pretty much and, yeah. and not being anywhere near the front. So It's, it's a shame but, as well because he's he's not going to be doing the next two years. So No, because mm. of uh, his Renault F1 duties, yeah. which uh, he says that he doesn't feel any pressure going into the next two years. It's all just so. going for going for glory good luck (laughs) (laughs) although i guess uh takuma sato i I can't remember if i mentioned it 43 years old so there's hope for alonso yet even you know i can't remember how old alonso is off the top of my head 36 36 so 
You can still you can still win the Indy 500 at 43 years old, so you never know. He might still do it. You never know, indeed. Another question at Mando two zero nine Cruz says: Do you th- do you guys think F one could possibly have a race at Indianapolis? Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they want to. Yeah, whether it's possible is another question. Is it? Uh, I don't know if it's a Grade One circuit off the top of my head, but I mean, I like personally, I like Cota anyway. It would be a shame for that to be dropped in place. And oh, uh, Alonso's 39. Sorry, carry on. 39. Oh, okay. So not as long as I thought. I bet he, he needs to hurry up then. Um, <laughs> he does. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Indy, I don't know. I did I did like them racing at Indy because it was a cool place. The circuit isn't particularly breathtaking. It's a bit of a Mickey Mouse kind of... when they When they bodge together a circuit like that, just to kind of have it at Indianapolis although the banking was kind of cool so it, I wouldn't be against it but I think something like Cota is better suited to Formula yeah, 1 I, we think, have a lot I of good personally think Cota is better anyway like if you want banking just just go to Zandvoort we've got Zandvoort on the calendar now it'll be fine true but yeah I it, Indianapolis yeah I think when you compare it to Cota yeah I don't I don't see why to move from Cota to be honest I'm sure it wouldn't be a case of taking it off it would be a case of adding another one onto onto the calendar wouldn't it i'm sure that they'd want more than one u.s racetrack on the calendar uh, if you're f1 yeah i think they well they've mentioned it so many times we had the talk of miami Miami. (laughs) yeah Yeah. Uh, that was that was crazy wasn't it that track that they spoke about where they said they were going to be like going over a bridge and stuff i loved that track because it had like that enormous straight and then it went back over a bridge again it looked really different i'm i'm looking at that and going health and safety yeah. You Wait, have a so Mark Webber Kovalainen or whatever it was, whoever he crashed into incident. He's in the sea, yeah. You're in the sea. <laughs> yeah. That, that can't that can't happen. So I can't even believe that was discussed. Unless it was gonna become a huge tunnel, which I highly doubt they would have done the entire bridge just underwater. For that. Oh, that would be that would be amazing, that would. Imagine that. Either way, we we digress. Um next question. Mike8498, do you think the excitement of the Indy 500 is a bad look for F1 and its endless Mercedes dominance? Absolutely not. It's uh, it's a, it's an occasion once a year. It's not like you come off the end of the Indy 500 and go, I'm no longer an F1 fan, I will watch IndyCar <laughs> from now on. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's, uh, it, it's, it's, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why so many people think that because one thing's doing really well that everyone will now think something else is bad. Like Formula One has not been that bad this year. Of course, we have Mercedes winning out in front, but in terms of the races, we've had a couple of pretty decent races already this season. And I think everyone's forgetting that we don't have bangers every week like we had last year, uh, which we kind of got used to, the amount of ridiculous, crazy races. But no, uh, Indy 500 ended on a yellow flag. So it's not like it ended in uh, you know, fireworks and glory, did it? No, it's one of those races where, like, Formula One aren't going to lose sleep over the fact that IndyCar had a good Indy 500 because the the only thing that's disappointing when when I watch these races is is the kind of oh, you know, wouldn't it be great in Formula One if we had four different guys in four different teams going for race wins and it'd be that close? But rule changes are coming. And like you say, there's, it's not been a bad, it's not been a bad year. It is disappointing that Mercedes are so dominant, but 
there are so many other things in Formula One to get excited about and that's why we love it and that's why we do this podcast and why we have this brand to talk about it because we love Formula One and yeah it's I don't think that Formula One like you say are going to lose sleep over the fact that the Indy 500 was exciting no absolutely not I'm just trying to think of uh, things that were quite exciting uh, during the Indy 500 we had that amazing uh, front right that was on fire which was that quite the uh... that was bizarre I've never seen a brake disc you've seen like brake disc fires but the whole wheel was just melted melted yeah very bizarre we didn't actually talk about the the crash that ended the the race uh absolutely massive and of all the places you don't want to hit it's the entry of the pit wall and i do wonder it's not been mentioned because i thought this might be the case of why there wasn't a red flag and it restarted because i feel like that would have been a huge repair job yeah the the tire barrier there and also imagine if they'd it's it's awful to think about but imagine if they'd bodged it just to try and get a restart and then someone goes in it again and And we know how important the safe yeah we know how important like the safer barriers are and stuff so i can see why yeah, definitely, because it was a huge impact and one that, you know, you saw that camera angle and then you looked at the car and you just went, you just kind of immediately assume the worst, don't you, when you yeah. see that sort of thing. Thankfully for him, he'd already hit the right-hand side wall and then sort of decelerated a little bit before he went into that tyre, uh, that that wall there. But thank God, you know, thank God they have put a huge sort of <laughs> absorption point there with the, with those tyres because... Yeah. Not every racetrack in the world has that for such a, a freak accident because you don't expect that. And I think, wasn't there someone else? Was it Alonso nearly crashed into that as well in practice when he crashed? Yeah, he spun and almost... He came into the pits almost, t- didn't he? Yeah, T-boned against that wall is like kind of the worst place you can have a crash. But there was another good point that was, the thank goodness for the aero screen, it's obviously not, not a pretty thing. But if it got into that tyre wall and the tyres had you know hit him in the head, that's that could be absolutely horrendous so yeah, yeah no, no yeah, as much as you know people think that it takes away from the danger of the sport i mean that is literally the point of it is yeah. to take away <laughs> from the danger of the sport but they're still going 200 and well 220 mile an hour in the race and for me it doesn't take away from the spectacle the halo doesn't take away from the spectacle as much as maybe the die hard fans think it does a little bit i don't think for the fa- for the amount of safety it pro- provides it's a 1% takeaway in terms of the actual feel of oh my god it's motorsport it's dangerous right i don't i yeah i i don't buy the that at all like the that that side of things i don't i don't really understand it myself because you know we've had some horrendous incidents last year with with hubert like i don't i don't get what particularly is enjoyable about that like i get like the in, enjoyment of looking at the old uh the old videos and thinking how amazing they sound and all that kind of stuff but why you'd want drivers to get hurt i don't understand that in the slightest and i don't think i think you've got to be pretty disgusting to want that <laughs> for a sport yeah. to be honest yeah yeah for sure uh right let's move on to formula one now and uh, the belgian grand prix coming up this weekend it's race week oh it is once again raw keek uh, as ferrari yeah, Jack which they've, uh, they've 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 noted, which is which is great. Ferrari have lacked a lot of banter, and now I feel like they've hired whoever they'd originally sacked to now do their social media again. Indeed, 
<laughs> right, there's uh, some questions uh, from some of you guys. Penguin Snake F1, how will the ban of quali engine modes affect the teams? Um, we don't well, know. We don't know. Yeah, that's that's the main question uh, point there. But also, people that are hoping that Mercedes are going to be pegged back, it doesn't seem that way, and it seems like it's going to be opposite uh, yeah. from what it sounds like because everyone has a quali engine mode. Yeah, and also it's not it's, as if Mercedes are the only one to have it, right? Yeah, it's also been delayed as well until Monza, which I don't I haven't really seen too much about, but apparently it's been delayed till uh, Monza anyway, so we're not going to be having it at Spa. <laughs> they were probably going to release it, and then they saw Mercedes come out and say it's not going to affect us, and they've gone ah ah. Let's let's delay this a little bit and see if it actually is the case. It's really odd, isn't it? Because the the quali the the banning of the kind of quali engine mode for me is clearly a way to peg back Mercedes. But the sport's doing it in the wrong way, in my opinion, that they need to they need to be focusing on making it more unpredictable and then not not just kind of making the rules so it's pretty obvious Mercedes are gonna dominate, would we're going to dominate this year and are going to dominate next year because the rules are the same. And and then the, and then they kind of turn up and go Oh yeah, they're really far ahead. Uh, let's kind of do some really flaky rule changes halfway through the year to try and slow them down. That aren't really going to do it that much. Do you know what I mean? Like we we've had the yeah. discussions of reverse grids and all this, and we won't get into that. But that's a better solution than just kind of letting Mercedes walk the championship and then kind of doing these silly things for no reason to try and absolutely peg them back. it's just artificial rule changes that they're kind of panicking into doing because they feel like they have to peg them back they need to have closer racing but i think what the fans enjoy the most is that uncertainty you know the the you know mixing up practice or having the tires degrade more you know, things like that where we get that unpredictable racing even if mercedes win most of them but they don't win some of them that's that's all that we need as f1 fans is that uncertainty going into a weekend um but yeah it seems like they're going the wrong way by trying to ban something that doesn't even sound like it's going to affect them and it's going to make mercedes stronger that's <laughs> going to that's, be interesting that's a big l for for formula one if that is the case right yeah i mean if mercedes if mercedes end up like a second quicker in qualifying in uh in monza they're gonna like an absolute laughing stock f1 so yeah they are uh, another question kenzie Pradana. Racing Point seems like they're going to have a great weekend, especially looking at their history on this track. Not really a question, more of a statement. But yeah, Racing Point, or Force India as they were known, have always been rather strong. I mean, we've had that moment where the two Racing Points were, sorry, the two Force Indias as they were known. Was it, were they Force Indias or Racing uh, Points when they were challenging Mercedes down the Kemmel Strait? I think they were, it, it was the very first race after they were saved wasn't it uh so yeah I so they were they racing were points technically racing point then yeah I that was a crazy look. crazy start to the race we had Ocon almost going up the inside of both the Mercedes and Perez there as well it was uh you had that amazing picture awesome. didn't you where it was no they were forced they were uh Force India still but they'd been taken over by racing point uh and okay. then they were going to become racing point uh that was it yeah Lawrence Stroll had purchased them at that point uh through the racing point name but they were, they were going to be known as Racing Point Force India from that from that point on. Uh, and then there they you changed go. It. So fun fact. I just thought I'd cover it before. Well, it's audio only, so we're not going to get comments. But just in case we get angry <laughs> tweets, 
We have censored you all. <laughs> but yeah, uh, but yeah, Racing Point, they, I would be shocked if they aren't strong around here. But but they have changed their philosophy completely, haven't they? They're not the same car as what they were before. They were very much a Red Bull philosophy before. Now they're a Mercedes philosophy. You really Who knows? They may not be as strong as they've had. they've been in previous years. You're reading my notes again. <laughs> hey, is that what you were about to say? Yeah, the the fact that they've been really good here is it's very weird because Force India, like you say, as they were, every year it seemed like they would just be not really anywhere unless Perez just banged in a podium out of nowhere in a crazy race. But in terms of pace, and then Spa and Monza, they just seemed to be really, really good at. Uh, but then obviously this year, the fact that they've gone completely down just copying the Mercedes well it's going to be interesting to see if they will still have that advantage I think they will I think I think this will be a, a their best chance to get a podium this year I think I hope so let's hope their uh, running form at Spara continues because I'd like to see them maybe challenge Red Bull if, if Mercedes are you know in the distance let's have a fight for the podium shall we that would be lovely uh, next question uh, iNico10010. Will Ferrari make it into Q2, Tommy? Take it away. They are going to struggle. I was watching some old clips, actually, and obviously, oh, we've mentioned it so many times about their illegal or not illegal, whatever you want to call it, power unit from last year, where they were just unbelievably fast and they w- they didn't walk uh, uh, Spa and Monza because they didn't have the... Um, they didn't have the race pace, but in terms of like the speed on the straights, they were unbelievable, weren't they? At those, yeah, at they those were, two yeah. tracks. So without that, I think they're really going to struggle because I was just thinking back to our quali watch along that we did for Spain. And we were talking about how much time Leclerc was losing in the first sector, which is obviously the the big straight. And then the uh, Spain, this is the, the long straight. Yeah. Imagine that at Spa when you've got a long straight, a hairpin, and then another long straight, and then a flat-out corner, and then another really, 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 really long straight. They're going to be so far behind in Sector 1, I feel. Yeah, it has to be said. I think Haas will be probably the slowest team uh, around Spa. That's my prediction anyway. But yeah, I think Ferrari will be on the lower end of the points, at least with Charles Leclerc, maybe Vettel. Who knows, will he find some form going into Belgium? Uh, This is all very much, you know, just plucking at straws at the moment but it'd be nice to see at least Vettel somewhere near Leclerc because it hasn't been that way pretty much the entire season Um, but I kind of predicted the other way and it's still going to I think in our last podcast where I predicted that the Vettel Ferrari relationship will continue to disintegrate um, especially if Vettel doesn't get into to wait will Ferrari make it into Q2 that I, oh I wow! That Sorry, Q3. yeah, Q three, yeah, me too. But I read Q two. That, that is quite. Well, for I make it to Q two, yes, Nico. I think they will make it to Q two. Uh, Q three, uh, I think they will struggle. I, I think we could like Austria, where we see it's going to be a fight of who knocks who out in in the final bit of Q two. They're going to be for for me. They're they're qualifying around eleventh and twelfth, tenth, if they're lucky. And do you even want to be tenth? Because then you're then struggling with whatever tire you've picked in Q2. So yeah. they might not. They might even want to start uh, just outside the top ten, so they get a free choice and a fresh set of tires. Uh, Ethan Briggs three eight zero. Will Spa suit Red Bull better than Mercedes? No. <laughs> Wishful thinking. No, I mean, 
No. <laughs> it, it absolutely won't, uh, as far as my opinion goes. The Red Bull aren't known for, for being quick on the straight line. You know, they're, they're very good in, uh, with downforce. Uh, so they'll, they'll probably be quite strong, I'd imagine, in the middle sector. But in the first and last, I think Mercedes will be ridiculous. Yes, traditionally their weakest, isn't it, Spa and Monza, every year on the calendar where where they tend to struggle. I think they're going to I think if anything Red Bull are going to come under pressure from Racing Point and maybe might be a little bit of a, a stretch but I could see Renault doing well. They did really well last year and for some reason if the Renault's anything like last year they seem to be really good at the kind of high speed circuits like Spa and Monza they did really well last year. So you never know maybe Renault not that they've been particularly great this year but it might be a a track that suits their car a lot and if if it is i can see red bull it's, it's bad news for alban isn't it if uh red bull are getting kind of getting closer to the racing points and renault's because again we've said it before that if verstappen if even if verstappen's two te- uh alban's two tenths off verstappen in qualifying and it's a five six seven positions it makes him look really bad so yeah, it's going to be an interesting battle between those, I think. Yeah, can you believe, you know, cast your minds back a year ago that we would be discussing Renault being more of a challenge to Red Bull than than Ferrari. That's uh that's yeah, my mind-boggling that we how how much it's changed uh from a year and uh, you know, celebrating Ferrari's amazing victories at Monza and we're not even putting them in the equation to get into Q3. Uh, it's it's crazy to think, isn't it? Um but that's the way, unfortunately, Ferrari have been uh, hindered with that secret agreement with the uh, yes. FIA. <laughs> yeah, very weird one that. We've mentioned it many times, but yes, we'll uh, see how much they struggle without it. Yes, I think a lot. And finally, last question, has Craig 16? Will we get some wet racing? Now, we're not the weather gods, but Spa is very, very good for providing us with some some little... Uh, storms and uh, heavy rain and just just coming out of absolutely nowhere. Uh, three seasons, I think Spa is uh, three seasons, four seasons. Gives you all four seasons in one in race. one day, yeah. One day. Um, so hopefully we get some wet racing because that would that would spice it up quite nicely. Um, and and Spa is quite likely for that. Let Tommy, you just talk for ten seconds, and I'm going. I've got I've right. got the weather forecast here. Oh, let, oh, you're just so I'm in my on brain. It. I'm on it. Score them. Are you ready? Uh, uh, yes. Let's do it. Right. Friday, spotty showers, 59% chance of rain. Saturday, a couple of thunderstorms, 60% chance of rain. Sunday, cloudy with showers, 100% chance of rain. Oh, <laughs> <But> baby. <laughs> this is Formula One, though, and they just seem to be cursed with weather. If if any, if any if it's not going to rain with an 100% chance of rain, it's going to be during At the Formula F1 One race. race, yeah. 100%, yeah. Uh, <laughs> 100% chance of rain on Sunday. Yeah. And yet. Wow. <laughs> and yet. And yet it'll be a the, sunny, dry race. Yeah. It's it's raining at the nearby water park, Uh Oh, don't. Please yeah. don't. We, we'll see we that, see some that weather clouds. radar. The good thing, though, is that Spa is obviously a massive track and it can it can rain in some parts of the track than others, and that's what makes the race really exciting sometimes, is that it can be bone dry 
uh, in the first sector and then the middle sector is like completely wet and you don't know which tyres to go on or whether it's going to pass. Yeah. So, and it just may have some oh. absolute gambles from some teams can actually pay off as well. If so. we get one of them, I will be loving it. Right. Well, I think that's a lovely way to, to end this WTF1 podcast. Rain this weekend. Yes, please. Uh, thank you so much for everybody for listening. This isn't a video podcast. Uh, so make sure if you want to get involved in terms of asking us questions, follow WTF1 official on social media. Use the hashtag WTF1 podcast. And of course, give us five stars on whatever you are listening to or a thumbs up or however you show your gratitude to this podcast. We are flying up the charts. I don't know where we are at the moment, Tommy. Maybe we've gone down. I don't know. uh, Someone sent us a a picture, actually, of... uh, I I don't know what this category is, but there's a Spotify chart called Leisure, which is just... Does that just cover any kind of hobby? Everything. Uh, And and we're 12th. Leisure in the UK? Yeah. Wow, we're at the 12th leisurely podcast (laughs) in the UK. And that's all thanks to everybody listening right now. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Tommy. Do you have any, uh, any burning thoughts before we go? Please rain. Okay, perfect. Me too. I will ditto that. That is it. Thank you so much, everybody. And we'll see you next week for another WTF1 podcast. Of course, Internet's Best Reactions will be out once again this Sunday on the YouTube channel. Make sure you stay tuned for that. And that is it. We'll see you very soon. Bye, Tommy. Can't wave at you because it's in the video podcast. Oh. But, but I'm I'm waving in my brain. Me, t- me too. I'm actually going to wave in person. Just okay, because, me too. I'm waving. Yeah. Bye. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.